Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time for the reading of the Word. If you can turn with me. I got a surprising text message last night from Sister Cassens who sent me a piece of scripture right in the middle of my prayer time. I was doing a little study, and I got this passage, and I'm going to share it with you this morning, and then I'm going to read my introductory passage. I'm going to go quickly. Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 44. I had an interesting conversation. I I taught in the Jonathan Project class this week, and we had a very interesting conversation about praise and worship and prayer and and how we feel when we come into the house of the Lord. And I be- it, 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 it kind of tweaked something in me. And I began to pray and I began to seek God. And I spent this week praying about it. I was going to preach on something completely different. As a matter of fact, I kept going back to a different topic. And God kept drawing me back to this topic because of that point. I want to tell you this morning, you must know this. That revival is a choice. We talk about revival in the church all the time. Does anybody in here not want revival? We talk about it all the time. We describe it. We, we say, oh, revival, revival's coming. Do you know that revival is not, if you're waiting for some magical evangelist to show up, some wonderful, amazing thing to happen, some eruption of some strange, miraculous event that happens somewhere in the city to begin to spark a revival, that's not going to happen that way. You know where that's going to happen? It's going to happen right here. And see, I said last week that We have choices. We have a choice. We can do this the way we want. You remember when I said that? We can do what we want to do as we are led by God according to his will. And so revival is not something we're waiting to happen. It's a choice. You can choose today to have personal revival within yourself. Now, some some people aren't going to like this message today because I'm going to get down into it. We're going to talk about what revival is, what it means, because I think, and I'm telling you folks today, I spend so much time in prayer talking to God about this very topic, and what he's saying is the expectation is there. Now is the time for revival. I don't know why. I don't know what this particular issue is, and I'm talking to pastors all over the state, and they're telling me the same thing. There's something in the air. There's something that's happening in the kingdom of God. And revival is upon us. I don't know if it's because of what's going on in the world. I don't know what the situation is. But revival is upon us. And it's a choice. And you can make the choice today. Acts chapter 13 verse 48.4 says this. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Thank you for coming out today to hear the word of God. You're going to get the word of God today. Verse 45 says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. People are not going to like this revival. They're not going to like what's happening in the church. They're not going to like what they see happening in you. It's going to come. We know it's going to come. Jesus said it. He told us we would be mocked and persecuted for his sake. But I don't care. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. And said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, to the Jews, right? It was that, that was the way God deemed it. The Jews were going to get that message. Who got saved in Acts chapter 2? It was Jews. But these Jews now have, have got, begun, gotten into blasphemy and mock, contradicting and mockery. The ones that rejected Jesus. He said, it was first spoken to you, but seeing that you put it from you, and you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. 
He's basically saying, well, you've decided that, that salvation's no good for you. You want to go to hell. So since you're going to do that, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. God specifically told him that that is his ministry. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And the Gentiles heard this and were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. You can be seated this morning. You are that group of Gentiles. So this conversation that I had with the group, guys, I'm sorry, but I just, it got into my, it got under my skin, it got into my heart, and I thought, this, we got to beat this thing. Because the general concept of the topic, and I've been there, I know where this is, and some of you are going to relate to this today, that when you're, you, we have to operate out in the world. We work in secular jobs, we work with secular people and our, our family that aren't saved, and we deal with these issues all the time. But life gets busy and it gets crazy, and all of a sudden we decide, well, we're, we've had a really pretty rough week, maybe I didn't pray like I should, maybe I didn't read my word, and you show up here at church, and all of a sudden you're subdued, and you're shackled, and you're fettered. Because the enemy or, or your own flesh or your own mind through that influence is telling you you are not worthy to get a hold of revival. You're not worthy to rift, lift, lift up your hands and praise and worship. And you subdue yourself. You go into bondage because you've convinced yourself that I can't do this. Now we also have pride issues. Well, I don't want to be the one guy praising and worshiping and acting like a fool like Cordell did last week because that, that would look silly. I'd be out of the norm. What I'm here to tell you, though, is what I'm saying is that we can create the norm. We can decide. Revival is a choice. What we're going to do here is a choice. And you can choose to get a hold of it or you can choose to reject it. Now, I know some people are going to say, cynical people are going to say, oh, well, now, you know, church isn't all just this hype stuff. You know, we can't, every week can't just be this rah-rah thing. We've got to have the word of God. Now, let's, let's calm down a little bit. Let's not, everything isn't all playtime. I know, I've heard it all. But I'm here to tell you that this is exactly what God wants. I mean, he refers to preaching as foolishness. <laughs> if you think of it that way. You know where to find a Bible. You know how to pray. You know how to absorb the word of God. The foolishness of preaching is just to guide you through that life and guide you through that direction. And when God gives the preacher the word and shares it with you, it's up to you to absorb that. But I'm telling you, it's not up to me for you to have personal revival. It's a choice, and we've got to make it today. We've got to decide that we're going to worship, true worship. We've got to decide that we're going to praise. We've got to decide that we're going to shout, because those things are real. And until we get a hold of real worship and real praise and a real shout, we're going nowhere. It is scripture, it is Bible, it is expectation, it is how the church was supposed to be. And I know the devil has cast a pall across all of the churches across the land and said, all of this stuff, let's just have concerts, let's just have all this crazy entertainment. I'm not talking about entertainment today. I'm not talking about rah-rah today, phony stuff. I'm talking about getting a hold of the Spirit of God and standing up and worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, giving Him praise, giving Him worship. Psalms 150, you guys, many of you know this very well. Psalms 150, listen to the words the number of times. 
He says, praise, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I'm fired up. I didn't ask for this. Bless you, Lord. Thirteen times in that scripture, thirteen times, praise, praise, praise. Folks, I didn't ask for this. I'm just following what I'm telling you. God is telling me we have got to get a hold of this. Now is the time. I don't know why. I don't know why now and not some other time. Not before, not later. It's now. Now is the time. In Acts chapter 16, I won't get too far into it, but you know the story. Paul and Silas are in prison. They're in prison at about the time of midnight. What do they start to do? Complain to the jailer. Jailer, let us out of here. We don't belong here. Nope, that didn't happen. Complain to one another. I can't believe how this stinks. Living for God is terrible. Now we're stuck in a prison. Nope, that's not what they did. They sang praises unto the Lord. And we began to do that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that it literally shook the foundations of the jail. So the doors were open and their fetters were dropped today. Do you understand that not praising, coming in here and deciding I had a bad week this week, I didn't pray, I didn't read my Bible, I'm not a good person, I'm not worthy of this. That is bondage. That's a prison that you don't belong in. Decide today, decide now. I'm going to sing praises and watch the fetters drop off your arms. That's what God's saying. John 4 and 23, you know the scripture very well as well. I know, the, you know, I, I'm going to touch some things. I'm, I'm going to go through scripture like crazy because I'm going to support this thing with the word of God. This isn't Russ Cordell Incorporated. It's the word of God. And I just felt like he wanted to get that across to you. Let's not forget. Did we forget that our job is to praise? Our job is to worship. It's our job to shout what we're all praising and worshiping about. Remember I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about Jehoshaphat coming up against the people, the Ammonites and the people of Mount Seir. What did they do? He called them together. He was in fear because he didn't know this new enemy, the shaggy, hairy people from Mount Seir. He didn't know who they were. What did he do? He became fearful. See, you're going to have these challenges. You're going to have some pride. Things are going to hold you back. You're still going to come in here and fight against the flesh. But what I want to challenge you to do today is break out of that flesh. Break out of that desire to say, I, I can't do it today. I just, I'm a little tired. I had a rough night last night. Jehoshaphat knew that he was facing an enemy he did not know and became fearful. And what did he do? He called the people together to praise. He called them a fast together of the people and with the children and the wives and the husbands. And they stood and they praised God. They sang praises. Well, you know, if you remember the rest of the story, if you were tuned in, they went down to the camp of the enemy and they were all dead. Dead, the Bible says, dead bodies lying around. It took them three days to collect the spoils of the enemies and take it back to camp. The message there was, when you praise, when you really let it go, and you worship, you don't even have to fight in the battle. He fights it for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
John 4 and 23 says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in the spirit and in the truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now I've heard a lot of debate and a lot of discussion about what that scripture means. But think about it. You could very easily come in here, sit in a song service, clap and smile and sing, and mean nothing. Be completely divested from the situation. What that spirit means, what that worship and truth means, is you get a hold of that thing and get it into your heart and say, God, I'm going to give it to you today because I really love you and I really love what you're doing for me and what you're doing for the church. I'm going to worship you with everything I've got today, no matter if I'm in prison, if I'm dealing with illness, if I've got sickness, if I've got challenges in my life, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you because some point in there, you're going to get a hold of it. It's going to seem fake at first. It's going to be tough. You're just kind of rolling through the moment. But at some point, something's going to click. At some point, you're going to begin to feel it become real. And the Spirit of God comes on you. And that's when the foundation starts shaking. And that's when the fetters start dropping off. And you can throw your hands up in the air and say, yes, Lord, I feel you this morning, God. To those men in my Jonathan group last week, I so felt for what you were saying. And I, 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 I was a little tough on them. Because I, I soundly and completely reject the concept that I am not worthy to be worshiping and praising because I didn't do a good job this week. I reject that. In Jesus' name, it's wrong. I want you to know that you can come to this place. Folks, we've got morning prayer. Regardless if it's prayer Sunday or not, we've got morning, powerful morning prayer. If that's the way your week went, get your tail in here and get a hold of God and shed it off. Because when you walk through that door, it all goes away. The world stays behind you. You leave it at home. Leave your job at your job. Leave your house at your house and walk into the sanctuary of God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There you go. Listen to Psalm 149, I'll take you one back. Psalm 149, one through six says this. Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Can you see what I'm saying? When you come in and you're meek and you're kind of down and you're, oh boy, I'm having a hard time. He'll beautify you. He takes pleasure in the fact that you're willing to shed your pride and be a fool before him and worship and praise him like he designed you to do. For the Lord taketh pleasure, he said. He'll beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in the glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you understand what that means? The enemy wants to take your joy. He wants you to be subdued in the kingdom. He wants you to be subdued in the house of God. He doesn't want you to be effective. He doesn't want you to worship because he wants you to be imprisoned. And by doing that, he can steal your joy. And when he steals your joy, he's stolen your strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If I'm on fire, if I'm losing everything, if I'm in a worse particular situation, I've never been locked up in a prison in Jerusalem or anywhere else. It's got to be a tough thing. But I'll tell you what, 
You can ask my wife. We've been in some jails. We've been in some tough spots. We've been in some bad places. But I can testify this, and I'm not bragging. I had people walk up to me in church and say, Brother Cordell, I don't know how you do it. You're just in here smiling and praising and worshiping God, and your whole life is coming apart. And my answer was, if I got nothing left, if I live in a cardboard box, if I don't ever own another penny, I'm going to praise my God. Verse 6 says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand. We know what that two-edged sword is. The word of God. When we sing and when we worship and we praise, I want you to understand and notice that we don't do that to the enemy. Jehoshaphat didn't get that group of people together and face the enemy's camp and sing praises and, that, and, and, and worship and allowed to focusing on them. They didn't care anything about what was going on with the Ammonites and, and the Mount Seir guys and all those characters. They didn't care any of that. They turned their focus to God. That's what I'm saying. Leave it outside. Don't come in here and be wrapped up and fettered and worrying about what's going on or what you did wrong this week. Let all that stuff go. Be unfettered. See, we can decide to do that. Well, you know, all this, all this emotion and everything, this, this emotional outburst and, and all, that's not real church. You know, that's just... You're just hyping people up. You know, you're just, you're just kind of creating a frenzy there and just kind of getting people to hide from their problems. Anybody hear that? You ever get that? Enemy ever speak that into your mind? I'm telling you, the word of God today is calling us. See, see this worship isn't a choice. It's a command. We are called. I told you last week. King David, the king of all of Israel, shed off his robes when the Ark of the Covenant approached. Remember the story? Saul's wife, Michael, standing in a window, mocking him and making fun of him. It's going to happen. It's going to be the case. But when he saw that Ark coming and he felt the presence of God, he shed off those kingly robes down to his normal civilian duds. And he stood there and he danced like a fool before the presence of God because he didn't care about what it meant to be a king on this earth. He didn't care about anything but worshiping his God. What I'm trying to explain to you folks is that this is a weapon. Praise and worship is a weapon. It's a weapon against the enemy. And if you get a hold of it, if you really understand what revival is, and we talk about revival in this abstract term, I'm telling you what revival is. Revival is when we come in here and there's some awesome worship. Do we have awesome worship in this house? Yes, we do. We've got phenomenal worship. And the Spirit of God is moving back, back and forth. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody back here, but we've got some back row dwellers. Now, some people do the back row because they got kids and they got... Uh, they like to go to the restroom a few more times than some of us. But I know that some of this back row stuff is it's hard to get closer up to the front row because it gets a little uncomfortable or it's just not the place I like to be. That's okay. That's understandable. But all I'm here to tell you is when you walk in the house of God and we begin to worship, everything happens in the back row just as good as it does in the front row. The worship and the spirit of God moves back here just as well as it does any place else. You can sit back here. That's okay. But when you start to hear the worship, you start to hear the praise and you start to hear you feel God's presence move you got to get a hold of it because the enemy wants you to sit there and be quiet he wants you to be back row people you don't have to be sitting up in the front row to feel the presence of God what you got to do is make a choice to be a part of it 
It's not hype. It's not foolishness. This is what God really wants. We were created and designed to worship and praise him and love him. This preaching stuff, that's just kind of helping us along in life. That's just his knowledge and his will and his word. That's the, you can get that at home. And what the preacher tells you and what the preacher shares with you, sure, that's, yeah. But what I'm saying is if you were talking about real revival, I could stand up here and read the whole Bible to you. And we could still have revival because it's a choice. It's a choice to get a hold of what God's doing and make the choice to have it. Does anybody in this house want to have revival? Very key component to praise. It's right in scripture, Psalm 121, starting at verse 1. You need to know that praise elevates your perspective. Okay, and what that means is, is it takes your eyes off the floor. The enemy wants you downtrodden. This world wants you beat down. They don't want to hear your Christian-y stuff. They don't want to hear how blessed you are. They don't want to hear how wonderful things are going. They want you walking around with your head down like this. They want you walking in the house of God, downtrodden. Praise elevates your eyes. It says it right in 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? It doesn't come from the floor. It doesn't come from looking down. It doesn't come from being quiet and being downtrodden and meekly hiding in the back row or wherever it is that you sit. That's not where your help comes from because scripture says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth through praise. Brings us into the safety of God's presence. Psalm 104, you know it well. I said it a moment ago. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. He's a strong tower. And we can run into it and be safe. Somehow praise takes us deeper. It really does. And again, I, I know what the flesh wants to say. I know what the world wants to say. They want to say it's just being foolish. It's just being silly. There are places that will tell you that is so improper. You're dishonoring God. You should be quiet and solemn. Where do they get this from? All you've got to, you could just read the book of Psalms and you could see that God doesn't have an expectation for us to sit in our seats and have our hands folded like this and our heads down and all that stuff. Where does that doctrine come from? It doesn't come from the Holy Bible. That's not what God designed us to do. But it takes us into a deep place in his presence. A closeness. Oh my goodness. It opens up those gates. You see, when you're thankful, it says enter with thanksgiving. But you enter the courts with praise. You understand what that's saying? You can get in here in thanksgiving. You can have a great time with God. But man, if you want to get close to God, you enter his courts with praise. It's fine being at the gate, but I'd rather be in the court. You see what I'm saying? Wasn't sure if I was getting that going. I'm glad it's... I'm glad it's... uh, First Sunday, and the children are in here because they need to hear this as well. Revival, revival is going to start with our young people. It already is. But young people, you need to be freed. You need to understand that you're, going to be, you're facing challenges that in some levels in your mind and your experience are far greater than what we do even as adults. As a matter of fact, right now, you guys are the target of the enemy far greater than any of us in, adults in this room. The enemy wants to destroy you, and he's going to do it by keeping you subdued and captured. You see what I'm saying? 
You need to have the liberty and the freedom to get out here and praise and worship and express what God's given you. You got more energy than I do. You can get out here. It's okay. You can jump up and down and say, yes, I'm a child of the king. I'm praising. I'm worshiping God. And all you old people need to tell them, yes, it's okay. You do that. As a matter of fact, us old folks need to be an example, I think. Psalm 8 and 2 says this, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. See what he's saying? Just because you're kids doesn't mean anything. David was 14 years old. Be powerful. Get a hold of this revival thing because it'll change your life. It'll change your outlook. It'll change your direction. It'll impact your friends. But there's some things we've got to deal with in worship. And I'm going to go back to the Jonathan guys on this. I'm not revealing anybody's secrets or saying anything. But we all expressed that at one time or another in our walk, we experienced that, that situation where we just, we just weren't prepared. We made mistakes. We sinned. Come on, folks. Let's be honest. We're in the flesh. We, we, we fall. And boy, does the enemy like to jump on your back over that. And then you've got to come to church on Sunday. and Oh, boy. Well, what I'm telling you is you can't spend the whole time walking in here with that weight on your back. Well, I had a really bad week and I did something really terrible. And spend the whole time that you're here beating yourself with a a pack of reeds and going, oh, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, the entire time. Yes, you got to humble yourself before the Lord. Yes, you should ask him to forgive. You should be doing it at home before you even get here in the morning and get up there and say, God, I want to be prepared for an awesome service today. No more mundane, no more routine. you got to come here expecting awesome things. Well, you can't expect awesome things if you know you're going to walk in with your head down not look, lifting your eyes up where your help comes from, and you're just going to accept that everything is bad, and I'm a terrible person, and I just don't have the right to praise and worship. You've got to get that off of you before you ever get in here. And I'll tell you what, morning prayer here at Sunday morning is a great way to do that. Boy, I'd like to see a lot more of you in here in the morning. It's getting to be powerful. But it's a choice. Do you want Revival. What would revival mean to you? If we had revival, is, that, is it just something we talk about in abstract, or does it mean something to you? Have you thought about that? What would it mean if the church was in revival? Would it mean, well, more people will come? Okay. We'll reach the community. Yes. We'll do great things in the church. Yes. But what would it mean for you? Have you thought about that? Maybe you won't struggle financially. Maybe God will do, start, begin to open the doors of blessing because he's just waiting for you to get out of that shell and cast off those fetters and get rid of the shackles so they can actually begin to bless you in your life. I'm not saying, now don't get me wrong. I know somebody in the room is going to say, well, he's saying that we should worship so we get stuff from God. That is not, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is we start with what God created us and has commanded us to do, and that is to worship and praise. See, see, praise, praise is like an anti-microscope. <laughs> see, when you, have your, when you have your problems and no praise, you have a microscope. And as you're looking through the microscope, the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And all oh, my life is a mess and I can't do anything and I'll never be effective for God. And nobody will ever come to church because of me. But you begin to praise. 
and you begin to worship, and you show up at church with expectation. You're like, I'm going to have an awesome worship service today. And all of a sudden, that little thing starts to go like this. And it anti-microscopes down into a tiny little piece. And you know what? It doesn't mean so much anymore. And the next thing you know, a friend gives you a call. Hey, Rob, I know you go to church, man. I got a serious problem. Can you help me? And God anoints you with what to say to that friend over the phone. And next thing you know, that friend is sitting here. And the next thing you know, that friend is at this altar. And the next thing you know, we're praying him through the Holy Ghost. And the next thing you know, we're getting him into the tank. And the next thing you know, he's part of discipleship here and his family's turned around. And he's got a couple of cousins that see what's going on in his life. You see what I'm saying? You understand what I'm talking about? I'm not doing praise and worship because I want something out of God. I've got everything because of God. I'm praising him and worshiping him because what I already got. Yes. Because, Rob, I've been in that place. I've been in that place where I finally, somebody taught me and showed me, and God got a hold of me, and I got rid of all of that stuff. I'm not picking on Rob. I've just used him as an example. Okay, he's good. But I was in that place, and when I finally got it, that's when the phone calls started. That's when the people came up. That's when I had opportunities in Bible studies. That's when I began to feel an anointing. That's when God used me to share the word of God. Memory verses that I've forgotten about from 20 years ago coming to mind and sharing with people on the spot. Why? Because of praise, because of worship, because I love God. And when I get into his presence, I'm not afraid to lift it up. I don't care what happened this week. You see, that forgiveness process, that process to get ready for praise that I'm talking about, getting yourself your mindset, he's going to use that to distract you. But see, we get this idea in our mind that, well, I, I made a mistake. I, I, said, I did something really bad at work, and, and I, I said something really terrible, and I'm a sinner, and all week long... It's not a month-long process or, or some incredible set of tasks and things that we have to go through. Get on your knees and say, God, I've made a, such a terrible mistake. Please forgive me. But I worship you, God, and I love you. And I want to have an awesome service today. Yeah. Done. That's it. That's it. I'm telling you, the enemy's got it all wrong, see? He wants you to believe that that's some long process. It's not. That's the process right there. You see? Another component. This will bristle some maybe. It's the word of God. A big part of worship and praise. You got to bring an offering. Psalm 96 and 8. says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Psalm 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. At home, at work, at play, sing a tune, praise his name, spend your days whenever you get a chance. We do it at the house all the time. I walk around, I'm singing songs. Blessings of the Lord, they are rich. Whatever it is, I don't care. But be in that spirit. See, because if you take that off when you leave here today and you go back to secular life, you're going to struggle with that. But you know you can live every day in a constant mode of praise and worship. Just have a little bit of it in your mouth all the time. That's what, that's what the psalm said, right? Just continually in my mouth. I love you, Lord, love you, Lord. Papa. Whatever it may be, that's all that is. It's, you don't have to walk around your job, repent or you shall be lost. Yeah. God's not asking you to walk around with the Bible at your job and, you know, condemn people or anything like that. Just continually in my mouth. 
Have a little bit of praise. Drive into the work. Drive into the grocery store. Wherever you may be, I praise you, God. Talk to him. Just treat him like he's your friend. You know, I'm going to do a quick exercise with you guys. I'm going to not burn up time, but everybody stand up once. This was an exercise I learned many years ago in the secular world. So everybody's got somebody nearby. This is what I want you to do. Don't do it yet. But I want you to figure somebody on either side of you. And I want you to imagine that the per- you, you do not know who this person is. They're a total stranger. You just met them in the airport because they bumped into you and knocked your suitcase out of your hand. Turn to them and greet them and introduce yourself. Do it. Go ahead. Okay, you guys, you guys are greeting each other like, like friends. You're cheating. Okay, now, now, one more second standing. Now we're going to do it a little differently. We're going to do it a little differently. Now what I want you to do is I want you to pretend that the person on either side, your greeting person that you have, is a long away relative, somebody that you love so deeply and they've been gone for a long, long time, and you're greeting them at the airport, and they just stepped out of the gateway. Go ahead, greet them that way. (laughs) Yay! Okay, you can be seated. Now, the second time, you guys cheated a little bit on the first time. The second time, I heard joy. Was there joy? I heard laughter. It's kind of fun, kind of funny. Did you feel lighthearted? Did it feel kind of a little exciting? Did you have an imagined time when you met someone else or there was a relative coming home or, or Brother Barningham, when, Sister Barningham, when Ben came home from Iraq? Did you have that kind of, that remember, that, you remember that? Okay. Which way would Jesus want to be greeted when you walked in the house of God? You see what I'm saying? Did it matter you had a problem earlier this week? Did it matter maybe you sinned or made a mistake or fell this week? No, because someone was embracing you and saying, it's great to see you again, Missy. It's been so long. That is so awesome. I can't believe I ran into you at the airport. Right? You see what I'm saying? It's all about our attitude. It's all about the way we decide. It's the choice we make and how we're going to present it. We want to come into the house of God and treat him like we haven't seen him for 100 years, but we just talked to him five minutes ago. You see what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. That's what he's saying. We've got to make that choice. You know, in the church, I just, I feel like I want to just liberate everybody. I'm so desperately just want to hear shackles and chains falling to the ground. 
Can I? Amen. You can clap. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Free us, Lord. You don't have to raise your hands if you don't want to, but if you want to, do so. In the last several weeks or a period of time, who here, and I'll raise my hand, who here has felt like they've just been completely shackled but just wanted to break out, just wanted to worship and praise God? Anybody? Anybody just say, I really want to worship God. I want to be a fool for Jesus. I want to praise him. I want to dance. I want to shout because I know there's power in it. I know it's the word of God. Have you felt that way? I want to unshackle you today. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us we can come boldly before the throne of grace. You know what that means? It means we walk up with our head down like this and get down on Lord God. No, it doesn't. It means we jump up above our seat at altar call and we run down here and we say, yes, Lord, I praise and I worship you today. You see what I'm saying? We have the privilege. He says we can do it. Come boldly before the throne of grace. James chapter 5 tells us the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, what does effectual fervent mean? Well, fervent means you're on fire. I want to light some people on fire in this place. God, God is pressing me to preach this. You understand? He's telling us something's happening right now. It's time to light a fire. I got to get somebody in here lit up. I just got to get them to shake off the shackles and light the fire. I'm telling you, it's all. It's not foolishness. It's not a distraction in the, from the word of God. It's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a family of God, praising and worshiping with our hearts on fire. We're not meant to sit in the congregation and just stare at the preacher and listen to the word. That's not all we're here for. Look at the emphasis in Psalm 47. My goodness, Psalm 47, chapter 1, says to the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto the king. Sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Look at the emphasis in that scripture. I jumped through to verse 6 and 7. I'm sorry. But again and again, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises. He says it over and over again. The last piece of this I want to talk to you about is the shout. I've, you've, I've hit it a few times in the scriptures already. I won't go back to them. Many of us had an opportunity to, we didn't go to North American Youth Congress in 2015. We just couldn't make it. There was logistic issues and it was really tough. But somebody su suggested I go back and watch some of the video of that. And I did. I watched uh, uh, Lee Stone King, who's a favorite of mine. And during the course of his message, there was a lot of praise and worship in Congress. You want to see 25, 35,000 young people worshiping God and tell me that this thing ain't real? Tell me this thing isn't about praise and worship? Go to North American Youth Congress. Watch the videos. Look it up on uh, YouTube, by the way. N-A-Y-C. N-A-Y-C videos. You'll see all you need to know that this movement is real. That the apostolic church is real and it's on fire. And it's starting with our young people. That's why I said it's already begun. You see? So Lee Stone King gets up there and he starts talking about the shout. And he did a little study. He went back and he, he did some scientific study, read some papers or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But basically what he said is they found out that the human voice in a shout literally shreds the air. It shreds the air. And as they begin explaining that, because who is the prince and power of the air? The enemy. 
So every time we shout and we raise our voices in worship, we're literally shredding the air. I get a picture of the enemy just going, no, no, I don't want to hear it. So you have to know that you've got a weapon inside you that you didn't even realize you had. And that is in your voice. When you stand up and worship and you shout those praises and we say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Every time we do, it just shreds the air and the enemy shrieks and runs. That in itself, everybody in this room should be standing right now and shouting. That's exciting. Come on, stand up. Yes, Jesus. Woo. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Woo. Yes, that's it. Lift up your voice. Shout it out. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. The enemy's running. He's shrieking. He can't see. He can't, he can't bother you. Yes, that's it. Jesus. Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Woo. Shout with a voice of triumph. Shout with a voice of praise. Because we're shredding the air. We're causing that enemy to run. Yes. All right. If I got to cheerlead a little bit, I will. That's okay. God said I can do that. You can be seated. I got to cheerlead a little bit so you guys sort of... See, once you absorb the general concept, you can move at your own pace. <laughs> you don't have to wait for me to tell you it's okay to shout, see? <laughs> I'm, you understand? I'm freeing you today. I'm letting the fetters go. I'm taking the shackles off of you today. You're free! You're free! You're free! You understand? You're free! Yes! There you go! Woo! Freedom! That's what I'm talking about. They're gone. The shackles are gone. You never have to wait for anybody to prompt you to stand up and shout. If you hear something great, Pastor Kylie's preaching, Pastor Meyer's preaching, I'm preaching, I don't care who's up here or what's going on. If God gets a hold of you and something means something and you want to shred the devil, stand up and shout, hallelujah! Yes! That's all right. I'm retraining you today. Old air is gone. You understand? I'm serious. I hope you're getting this. This isn't just Sermon 101 for March 3rd, 2019. This is for life. This is for good moving forward. Do you understand? We're retraining today. The old era is gone. I'm liberating my brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that's what God has told me to do. Ezra 3 and 11, you don't have to go there. It says, and they sang together by chorus and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They just shouted because the temple was getting started. 
That's a construction project. No offense to you construction people. That's not all that exciting. But what was exciting was it was the temple of God. No more skins and sticks and tents. We're building the temple. Well, guess what, folks? Here it is. They shouted in praise because the temple foundation was being laid. Isaiah 12 and 6, cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. He's in the midst of us every time you walk in this church. Do you understand? Because the Bible says, where two or more are gathered, there also will I be. Well, I guarantee you, at least my wife and I will be here. If nobody else shows up, she and I will be here. And he'll be here too. You know what happened in Joshua chapter 6. I'm not going to read it to you. You know that, the, that God had commanded him to shout. And the walls fell flat. It says that every stone was taken down. It's a powerful weapon. The shout. Do you understand? The shout. The shout. We've got to stop being quiet. We've got to stop surrendering ourselves. We've got to stop being fettered and controlled by God. Because when we shout... The walls come down, your walls, the things that are blocking you from the blessings that you need. See, that was the promised land. Those walls were blocking Israel from getting into the promises of God. And what I'm trying to tell you today is he's got promises for you. He's got promises of health and healing and wealth and well-doing and good jobs and healthy families and more people saved. But there's walls standing up in front of you. And what I'm saying today is if you learn how to shout, you'll knock them down. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. First Samuel chapter 4, verse 5 says, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. That means the earth trembled and shook from their shouts. Do you, do you know that this, what, what you're, this worship you're doing, do you know you're shaking the foundations of hell right now? You're shredding the air. The enemy is just shrieking because of what you're doing. Do you understand that? Take a hold of it. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they, under, they, they understood, and the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. They knew immediately. When the shout began to raise up, fear shook them. Folks, the enemy, is, the enemy, the devil, is not some big, nasty, horrible, awful beast that controls your life and stands and waits to destroy you. He's a timid. He's weak. He has nothing that you don't already know about. He's got nothing for you. And all it takes, all it takes, we don't need swords and knives and armies. We don't need to be grouped together by the thousands. You and I together, two people can stand there and shout the praises of God and send him running. Let's have the musicians come up. Why should we praise and shout so vehemently? I hope I've answered that question for you. You've got to love God with everything that you have, including your voice, 
Deuteronomy 6 and 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul, with all thy might. I'm sorry, but if you're, if you're standing there praising, blessings of the Lord, they are rich. Now, unless you're in a weakened condition, you're 112 years old like me, I do not believe that is all of your might. But Jesus reiterates it in Mark chapter 12 and 30. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And I'm closing with this. Folks, you can stand. We're going to go into a worship service right now. I, did the, I told you, I did, the, I did the service a little backwards today. Please forgive me. Am I fired? Okay, all right. I got to check every once in a while. See? Get the classifieds out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13, and this is my closing scripture. It says this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe it? Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. Praise you, Lord, for the promise that's coming. We're going to join him in that shout. We're going to join him in that worship. Yes, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.